0: intrigue is heating up on the Washington Commander's sale. We'll have that plus a look into the first NIL penalty handed down by the NCAA. It's Tuesday, February 28th. I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter and this is Front Office Sports Today. There have been rumors swirling around Amazon founder Jeff Bezos and Commander's owner Dan Snyder over the weekend and into this week. And our senior reporter, A.J. Perez, has some exclusive reporting on this. I spoke to A.J. to get the scoop on what exactly is going on. Hello, A.J., how's it going? Not bad,
1: not bad. Thanks for having me back on.
0: So give us the scoop here. What's the deal with Snyder and Bezos and the commander's sale?
1: Yeah, there are a couple of reports over the weekend that uh, Bezos has been barred from bidding on the team. Um, Something that I was like, you know, that... You know, we know cider does not like Bezos mostly because of, if not all entirely, because the Washington Post reporting has created everything. I mean, it's pretty much their best, their, their coverage uh, in 20, not 2020, it's been about three years ago, started um, into the uh, toxic workplace culture. They did two big features the summer of 2020 that started the NFL investigation. You know, that concluded and then we, you know, then became a congressional investigation and a second NFL investigation. Then we reported last week on the subpoena that was issued as part of a federal investigation. There's so much things going on and all traces back to The Washington Post reporting, which is accurate. And, you know, and and but, you know, and but Dan Snyder was not a fan of it. So it's 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 led many. And and we've known this since this, this was announced in November that Snyder was not, you know, would rather not sell to Bezos and Bezos potentially have to overpay for the team. Um, and there's even a report that, you know, Snyder would make him sell the Washington Post, which is so far out there. Um, not going to happen. Um, you know, if Bezos sells Washington Post, it's not going to be because of Dan Snyder. So that so I was, you know, I've been reaching out. And once that kind of prompted me to reach out to some new sources and some of my my existing sources. And it kind of got kind of figured out what, what what is actually happening. And what is actually happening is that, uh, you know, he, he's not out of it. You know, there's going to be we're down to two or three finalists at this point. Um, and Bezos hasn't, as far as we know, entered a bid yet. Um, Satter's trying to get to that $7 billion number, but um, he's not there yet, and he may need Bezos to uh, well, probably almost entirely rely on Bezos to get to that number.
0: Right, yeah, it feels like... Bezos. you yeah, know, he's Jeff Bezos. He can top any number he wants, ultimately. And maybe Snyder just needs it to hurt a little bit, right? That like, it has to feel like he's putting the squeeze on Bezos or something like that. It does feel like there's kind of an ego psychological component to this that will allow these two to link up.
1: Yeah, there is. It's just... You know, you're talking. You know, and that's what the, the whole the whole ego thing is. One thing when I when I saw the report about Snyder's gonna make make him sell the team, and I'm like, or sorry, sell the sell the newspaper. I'm like, there's no no. When you when you, you got you, Bezos is not going to be told what to do by Dan Snyder. Probably right. not be told what to do by many people in this entire world. Maybe maybe his girlfriend, uh, fiance. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but that's about it. Um, so I think uh, I think he's you now he's going to do what he's going to do and. Um, and if he wants a team, you know, it's going to be hard to deny him. And, there, and behind the scenes, and I mentioned it in the story, you know, there there is some work being done, um, you know, uh, among NFL owners and maybe even NFL upper management to kind of broker a deal.
0: Yeah, as I was just about to ask. So how are our NFL commissioner Roger Goodell and other forces influencing this if they are?
1: Yeah, the owners want them. I mean, the vast majority of the owners. They want basis. Not, you know. Yes, and they, and they want Snyder gone. I'm not saying every owner wants Snyder gone, um, but you know, we this whole effort to remove him was put on hold when he announced he was selling or potentially selling the team in November. Um, that's going to get going again, and then you have you're gonna then you have the uh, the second investigation led by the former SEC chair Mary Jo White. That's still hanging out there. It's been 12, 13 months. She's been going into this, and uh, and we still know when she's going to release her report. That could be pretty damning. Um, you know, on the other side, you know, there's people on Dan Snyder's side who think it could be, he could be fully exonerated from, from everything. Um, so it's all depends who you listen to on that. And we don't know. It's all speculation because that this stuff is, we're not going to know until Mary Jo White gives the report to the NFL and Roger Goodell reviews it. And hopefully we'll get the entire thing this time because the last one, we we got a little summary, but there was no written report.
0: Yeah. Yeah right. So even if you're an NFL owner who doesn't actually care about what Dan Snyder may or may not have done, he's a headache, right? Just to have around in the league. Like you have to answer questions about him. It's and and then if you get Bezos, you you've got one of the richest people in the world, you've got the owner or, you know, the, I forget his title at this point, the chair of, of Amazon. Yeah.
1: He's still chairman of the board. Yeah.
0: Right. Which, which, you know, obviously the NFL is very enmeshed with Amazon and that could be advantageous. Potentially there could be conflict of interest stuff, but I imagine they'll smooth that over if, and when they have uh, to. Uh,
1: there, he, if he was, if he was still the CEO and, and was doing day to day with Amazon to be a much, it'd be a bigger issue. I still think they would, they'd find a workaround. Um, but, uh, but now that he's chairman with no day to day control, like he had since he founded Amazon in the nineties, I think it's going to be, uh, it's not going to be an issue. We wrote about that going back a couple days after the, the sale was announced.
0: Just to wrap us up here, what should we be watching for as the, the next shoe to drop in this, uh, in this saga?
1: Um, lots of things are happening this week behind the scenes. The, um, the combines in, is in, in India this week. A lot of meetings, a lot of uh, Zoom meetings, in-person meetings. There, all try to facilitate a deal. Um, and we're going to by, by the end of this week, we'll have a much clearer picture of where, of where this is going. You know, I think the option of center keeping it is more real than I thought it was a week ago. You know, I think there's, you know, they if he, you know, if he holds on for another year, it could be more valuable. During that time, it'd be the fan base will, he will go, the, the fan base that's left will go. <laughs> we'll go pretty nuts. And you're going to see attendance flag again. And I don't know, the NFL doesn't want to see that. I think the NFL was ready to move on. I think most fans here, if not 99% of them are ready to move on. Um, and, uh, and I think we're, and I think Snyder knows that, Um, you know, there's really, it's hard to come back from everything that's happened. And even though if he blames Bezos for starting it, it's, he's, he's the one that you know, was in charge of the team when when this stuff happened. So there's still smoke uh, when when it comes to, uh, you know, 24 owners voting to remove them. That's gonna be back in play if he tries to
0: keep it. Got it. AJ, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Uh, No problem. You can read all of AJ's reporting on frontofficesports.com. Up next, the NCAA handed down its first punishment related to name, image, and likeness rules. And it seems the target of the punishment was chosen in a very specific way to accomplish a specific goal. I spoke to our reporter Amanda Kristovich on what it all means. We'll have that conversation right after this. 2000, 2008, 2022. When it comes to the economy, those are some scary years. Dot-com crash, housing crash, and the roller coaster we're going through right now. One thing is certain: it's a dangerous time to not know your numbers. But over 31,000 businesses have the confidence and clarity they need because they rely on NetSuite by Oracle, the number one cloud financial system. NetSuite gives you visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, and budgeting so you can manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need all in one place. So, how do you prepare for uncertain times? The answer NetSuite. NetSuite helps you identify rising costs, automate your business processes, and easily see where to save money. That's why 93% of customers say they improved their visibility and control when they upgraded to NetSuite. What are you waiting for? Right now, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to Netsuite.com/slash frontoffice right now. NetSuite.com slash frontoffice. Netsuite.com slash frontoffice. All right, Amanda Kristovich. thank you for joining us on the podcast.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: So we got our first NIL-related infraction handed down by the NCAA. Take us through who is penalized, what they're penalized for,
2: what's the deal here? Yeah, so the first um, infraction that the NCAA handed down of the NIL era, interestingly enough, did not go to a football team, which is what I think People would have guessed, given the headlines around, you know, collectives and football recruiting and stuff. It actually went to a women's basketball team, um, the team at Miami. And um, the infraction came about because it was surrounding, I guess, the actions of a pretty famous booster at Miami um, named John Ruiz, who has gotten really deep into the NIL space and has been very, like, frankly vocal on Twitter um, about how he is just, like, offering deals to athletes at Miami or athletes who come to Miami. Um, so the infrac- the athletes that were involved um, were Haley and Hannah Cavender, who are twin basketball players who transferred from Fresno State to Miami this past year. And they are like two of the most famous female athletes in the NCAA right now. They have some, you know, they're in the top 50 as far as earning potential for NIL. They've got tons of deals. They are really famous on Instagram and TikTok. Um, And they're extremely marketable. We don't really know why the NCAA or what the NCAA thought they were going to find, um, they didn't find much. I think the implication was that, like, the the players decided to go to Miami because they were offered an NIL deal, which is against the rules. Um, I spoke with them when they made the decision. They told me NIL had, quote, nothing to do with it. Um, but what the NCAA kind of looked into and decided to penalize was the fact that the head coach um, – she, like, was somehow involved in facilitating a meeting between John Ruiz and the players. A meeting during which, by the way, they did not discuss NIL. That was in the NCAA's report. Um, but, you know, John had a chef who cooked them dinner. That's apparently, you know, a violation. And, you know, the since NCA rules have been clarified about NIL, it's become clear that even though coaches can, you know, talk about NIL resources to prospective recruits and departments can endorse like a collective or, you know, something like that. Um, They can't facilitate a meeting between an athlete and an NIL company, which is new information for a lot of people. I think like not new information in the last week, but new information in the past few months. So that's kind of what went down. The, the, the penalties were very minor. Um, the head coach was suspended for a few games. The team's on probation for a year. There was a fine. But, like, it was largely a slap on the wrist. Yeah.
0: And nothing for the Twins, right? They're...
2: Yeah. Notably, they were not penalized. And John Ruiz, I mean... Look, boosters, collectives, third-party nil companies are not under the jurisdiction of the NCAA, right? Like the NCAA is like not like the federal government. the The closest they can get to penalizing is saying that this you know person needs to quote disassociate from their program. They did not ask John Ruiz to do that, likely because he absolutely would have filed a lawsuit against the NCAA, and he said that on Twitter.
0: The, what I'm what I'm taking from this this breakdown you just gave uh, is. When this was like kind of a, a technicality. This feels like the, you know, the jaywalking or something of, or, you know, they're like two miles over the speed limit. Um, and it doesn't feel like a coincidence that the first penalty came, you know, it was handed to two of the most famous um, people in the NIL world. How does that play into this whole narrative here?
2: I think that that's exactly what is happening. The proof that they had that this meeting took place before um, the twins had, you know, like formally committed to Miami was because John Ruiz posted a picture with them on Twitter.
0: And that has a date on it and they could say, "Okay, before you signed, there's a picture. Exactly.
2: Exactly. And even though this particular rule I'm about to tell you about technically does not apply to this case because the rule didn't go into effect until um, like a month or two ago you know, I think it's still indicative. And the rule is, is that it's basically the NCA infractions, particularly around NIL are now guilty to proven innocent, um, which is to say that they have decided that they can use like news articles, social media posts or whatever as um, evidence or proof, frankly, that some sort of infraction occurred. And then they can go to the school and basically like the school has to disprove that it was against the rules.
0: Again, they're not the federal government, so they can do that.
2: Exactly. And, you know, what my fabulous um, and brilliant source, Dan Lust, um, you know, he, who is a prominent sports attorney who works with schools in the NIL space, like, he, you know, his, his whole theory is that, look, the NCAA has less power than it's ever had, right? But it's, frankly, if it's going down, it's going down kicking and screaming. And the number one way to get in trouble for NIL is is to publicize the fact that you're doing a shady deal, gray area deal, or just openly flaunting or, you know, flouting the NCAA's rules, which a lot of people have done, right? So if you're like kind of screwing around, but you're screwing around behind the scenes and you're not posting about it, you're a lot less likely to be... In trouble with the NCAA than the people who are literally going on Twitter and saying, like, I'm not following the NCAA's rules. Here's what I just did with this recruit or whatever. Right. And I'm not necessarily saying that's what happened in this case. But it's far more likely that you're going to get a call if the NCAA sees, you know, that you're in the headlines.
0: What what are they trying to do here? Like, what what are their goals as far as you can tell vis a vis NIL, which is something yeah that they they are having trouble containing.
2: The NCA is trying to prevent the death of amateurism, right? Which is the concept that athletes are not professionals; they're amateurs, and they should not be paid. They should not be compensated beyond you know the cost of attending school, like scholarship, etc. For playing sport. So the whole concept of Nil is supposed to be that like, yeah, a lot clearly a lot of the value of a brand signing with an athlete comes from the fact that they're an athlete, but it's third parties, right? It's not the schools saying we're gonna pay you to play. Um, and that's what they're doing here. They're, they're you know they're trying to put the cat back in the bag about the fact that a lot of these Nil deals, are kind of like quid pro quo. It's not this big nefarious thing. Like people who have money and who care about, you know, their alma mater want to contribute. They want to make, they want to take care of their school's athletes. They want good athletes to want to come and play for their school, right? The NCAA is trying to prevent NIL from being like a recruiting inducement.
0: Yeah, I don't envy their situation. um, But uh, yeah, we'll have to wrap it there. But Amanda, thanks so much for joining us.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: Amanda delved into all of these issues in a feature last weekend, which you can read at frontofficesports.com. And of course, if you're subscribed to our newsletter, it's already in your inbox. That's it for today. In yesterday's episode, I mentioned that San Diego Padres owner Peter Seidler does not see MLB's issues around payroll in the same way that others do, particularly among mid-market teams. And he further proved that point by signing Manny Machado to an 11-year, $350 million deal. Manny was planning on opting out of his contract at the end of the season, but now he will be a Padre for the rest of his career, barring a trade. Hit us up with your questions and thoughts at today at frontofficesports.com and we'll see you tomorrow.